Thank you for joining in these, our wild endeavors. This is a prelude to the story of the Wayward Sons. It was about four days before the death of the shopkeep Glorious Purpose. It was five days before Glorious was revived, and it was six days before the trial of the Wayward Sons. Raphael stands on a small hill. A sweet wind smelling of almost summer rustles the trees over his head and sends his poncho flapping. It's mid-Beltane, the dazzling eruption of spring just about to tip over to the radiant splendor of summer. Raphael pulls his poncho tight to his body. The wind had caused it to flap against a monument on the hilltop. The monument features the statue of a man, a paladin, bearing the holy symbols of the Lord of Light. Raphael cared little for those gods. His reverence for the monument came from the small children arrayed around the feet of the paladin. They were painfully innocent-looking, and the paladin's extravagant ball gown arched forward at the sides, almost creating a slight crescent moon. It is as if the dress and the man in it were trying to embrace the children, to protect them. According to the town folk, during the winter past, something evil took many of the children of the town. A group of travelers set out into the snow to find the children, and this paladin had sacrificed themselves to protect and save the children. The story was, in fact, part of why Raphael was back in this crossroads town. He watched a field hand make their way slowly up the hill. The approaching figure was human. Black, greasy hair fell in disarray around his head. His plain tunic and trousers looked worn, but sturdy and still full of use. Though to Raphael's eyes, the disarray of hair looked purposeful. The wear of the clothing looked recent, like someone scraping with rocks to mimic a year's work in the field. The ruse would probably fool most people, just not Raphael. Hello, I presume you are the one they call Glass. Raphael asks the alleged field hand as they gain the crest of the hill and come to stop behind the monument. No, 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 please. My father is the one they call Glass. You can call me Obadiah. Raphael watches as the so-called Obadiah puts a hand on the head of one of the stone children and leans lazily on it. Raphael's face doesn't change, but his blood briefly boils. He steps forward and companionably puts a hand on Obadiah's shoulder, maneuvering the both of them so their backs now face the city, and leading Obadiah a few steps from the monument. I understand you are familiar with the Wayward Sons. Oi, yeah. All your friends get quite a tizzy about them. I wasn't impressed. Raphael gives him a look, inviting him to continue. They're no big deal. I tricked them into killing a Magistar who arrested me so I could make my escape, but I was just biding my time. I could have escaped whenever I wanted. They just made for nice patsies for the murder. People far more capable than you have underestimated the Wayward Sons and not lived to regret it. 
clearly ruffled by this statement, Obadiah shakes Raphael's hand from his shoulder. Listen, nobody talks that way about any member of the Glass family. I've stood down a squad of Justicar, put a pack of vampires back in the ground for good, and ripped out the eyes of a god. I've seen shit that would give your unborn children nightmares. Raphael's intel on the Glass family suggested that Obadiah, his brother, or his father, had indeed been adjacent to events resembling this boast, but none of them had actually been involved. In fact, their family's talent seemed to lie in stealing things, not in succeeding in direct conflict, as was evident in the Glass Patriarch's death at the hands of a few adventurers. Raphael shifts tact to try to handle this thief. Of course, I merely bent to stress the need for stealth. A skill the Glass family is well known for. This seems enough to calm Obadiah. Raphael will remember that. He takes the advantage of the moment to lay it on extra thick. In fact, this is the very town where I first met the Wayward Sons. They came through asking about things they should not know. If I had hidden our operations more carefully, it might have all been avoided. I had... I had been very happy here, pretending to be a blacksmith. But they found us, and I had to give it all up. Oi, yeah, your girl. The one they call Thornblade. She told me you were in desperate need of my skills. She just didn't say what. Said I needed to ask you. I need you to recover an amulet for me. During the recent Centaur-Ogre conflict in the Ebencross foothills, an amulet of great personal value has fallen into the hands of an ogre magi. Clearly, as you have said, I am in dire need of your expertise. My people could not hope to sneak into an ogre army camp and retrieve said amulet. Raphael hands Obadiah a small piece of paper. Obadiah opens it and begins to read. You do not need to read it now. It simply tells you where the amulet is likely to be held, how to find it, and how to return it to me. After this, you and I should not... Ha! That's like a codename or something, right? I remember growing up, my pop-pop told me in Anatoly's stories about the Shadow Sunspark, but he called it Calverlath. But that was one of those artifacts the legendary champions used. A moment of silence passes between the two and Raphael wonders how quickly he can kill this Obadiah to keep him from telling others about Calverlaith. And then... You don't want to tell me what we're after? That's fine. You don't have to make up wild code names for this stuff. Just say the glowy amulet or the sparkly necklace or the pendant that makes your nethers tingle. Raphael does a quick mental review of his intel. Obadiah had been known for his forgery... It made sense he would know some of the more obscure languages, like the one the amulet's name had been written in. But Obadiah's brother was the one with arcane talents. Obadiah shouldn't know the Crucius from a magic jumping rock. And after meeting him face to face, Raphael would not put a lot of stock in his problem-solving abilities. Very well, my friend. It does seem funny to imagine that one of Arya's most powerful artifacts 
might be sitting in an ogre's mud box. The pair share an amused look. Obadiah stuffs the note from Raphael into his pants pocket. You think that's funny? Let me tell you about the pendant that tickles your nethers. That one's real. Hand to the gods. You see, it all started with this sorceress in Arthamore named Orthor. She wanted us to find a package that was... Obadiah proceeds to try and tell his story. But at the very first pause, Raphael excuses himself, much to Obadiah's protests. Raphael extricates himself from the conversation and heads down the hill to the town of Malmayor. Obadiah watches Raphael go. His arm outstretched, Obadiah plays a little game, seeing how far Raphael has to get before Obadiah can hide him behind his thumb. Once that happens, Obadiah pulls the note from his pocket. Raphael had been very quick to joke about the amulet's name. But when Obadiah could read the ancient name written on the note, he saw a moment of surprise in Raphael's eyes. That itself might not have normally been enough to go on, but Obadiah remembered his time in Karsaro Vale. One of those Justicar that was hunting him and his brother had bracers of incredible power. And now, some people up that way whispered that those bracers were Crucius. Obadiah continued to stare at that paper. If one of the Crucius was around, maybe there were others. Maybe this was Obadiah's chance to change the Glass family's luck. Anatoly, father, if this thing is what I think it is, I'm going to make you proud. Hells, if this thing is what I think it is, I'm going to bring you back from the dead. This is just the beginning of the beginning of the story of the Wayward Sons. Join us every Wednesday as we relate more of their tale. In the meantime, take care of yourself. We want you at your best for all the adventures in your life, and so that you can join us for future wild endeavors.